correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we also have a guest on today. Uh, Steve, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest and the podcast of the week. All right. Well, let's do podcast of the week first real quick. Okay. This week, it's going to be The Staggering Dragon which is an actual play podcast here on the D20 Network. They do a variety of things. Uh, so far, I think they've aired a G.I. Joe Genesis game that was absolutely hilarious and also a Star Wars game. But like I said, they're, they're a lot of fun. Now they are a little bit adult, you know, but they're very entertaining. They're good role players. So go check them out. Uh, I'll drop a link for their website and feed into the show notes. Yeah, Staggering Dragon. They're pretty good. Yes, indeed. And so our guest this week is Ryan Bolter, and he's here this week to talk to us about safety tools. And you might have heard him before. He runs a podcast called The Character Creation Cast. And well, at this point, welcome, Ryan. And if you'd like to tell us maybe a little bit, you know, about your background and and, and what you do before we get into safety tools. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's really great to be here uh, and meet both of you. Yeah, I, I started the Character Creation Cast podcast about three and a half years ago, and we've covered all sorts of different games by creating characters for them with guests throughout the industry and the RPG community. And we basically learn about the games through the lens of character creation. As part of our podcasting journey, we also created some character evolution cast episodes that were kind of like the like the three or four hundred level classes of RPG, you know, knowledge. And we covered so many different types of topics. We covered everything from the eight kinds of fun to how to do voices safely uh, so you don't hurt your voice to safety tools and a whole bunch of other topics uh, on that series. So that series, unfortunately, is on hiatus during, uh, you know, the today times. But we hope to possibly next year bring it back to cover all sorts of things from a player-centric point of view. Cool. Very cool. And yeah, I'll say I've been a fan of your podcast for a while now because um, it just occurred to me. I was like, oh, wait, I... Listen to a ton of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Yep. It's it's a fun time. It's it's very uh chill. Uh it's family friendly. So we don't we don't have any swears or anything like that. Sometimes the the content can get a little spooky, but you know, uh we try to keep it as family friendly as possible. I think that's you know, I think sometimes those of us who have been gaming for years, you know, we forget what it was like to be new and or, you know, especially if you're, you know, a younger person and your parents are, are checking up on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's some, some gaming content out there that probably is not going to be viewed too kindly by parents. And if you have people trying to explain it, it's also, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's so many games out there. Yeah. Speaking of so many games out there, why don't we get into that discussion of the safety tools? Yeah. And I think the biggest question that always comes up with safety tools is what are they or how do they work? Which are two very different questions. So let's start with what are they, and then we can sort of get into the how do they work. 
so basically the the high concept of safety tools is they are tools that you can utilize at the gaming table or even sometimes apart from the gaming table in order to feel safer during play in case there's any sort of topics that you just do not want to experience during role play or if a topic comes up that really hurts you on a deeper level than you were anticipating safety tools are there to kind of stop the play and to figure out what to do in order to play safely and to play to basically the story that you want and not a story that you're kind of gritting your teeth through because you're very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like for me personally, as much as I'm not a big like horror movie fan or horror book fan, I love playing horror games. And obviously that's in the territory where you can very easily tread into thematic territory that is going to be uncomfortable or problematic for somebody. Yeah. Safety tools for horror games are probably the most important genre to use safety tools for, uh, in my opinion, simply because there is such a thing as too horrific for a lot of people. And you just don't know what you can be triggered by at times until somebody's describing something and you just want to jump out of the seat and throw your character sheet at the person talking. But with safety tools in play, you don't have to worry about that reaction because you can put a pause on things and let play continue without something like that hurting you at that level. Yeah. And I mean, this all to me, you know, it goes back to the reason that we're playing these games is in some form or other to have fun. And if it's mm-hmm. making you deeply uncomfortable, most people don't classify that as fun. I'm not going to say there aren't exactly. people who do, but so, I mean, I know there's a bunch of resources out there. You were kind enough to share your session zero document that you use uh, with character creation cast, which goes through a bunch of things in addition to the safety tools. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind, I'd actually like to share a link to that in our show notes. If if you don't have a problem with that, just because I think it's a wonderful document, but I guess, you know, where, where should we start with this? You know, should we talk about some of the things that are out there? Should we talk about, some of the safety mechanics and then where people can find more info on them or how should we discuss this? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can attack uh, learning about safety tools. I think probably the best way is to, to kind of go over the most common uses or the most common tools that are usually used during a lot of games. So that way when somebody uses shorthand, like, Hey, we're using the X card uh, in this game, or we're going to be using lines and veils know what those mean right Mm -hmm. um there are a whole bunch of other safety tools out there that from various different developers uh various different names for these tools um and we can we can touch base on all of those as well but basically get getting the the base level things down first is probably a good place to start okay so I already, I already mentioned like the big one that that it feels like this one started the conversation of safety tools within the last, I don't know, decade or so, I can't remember how long it's been around for, is the X card, right? And the X card is by John Stavropoulos. But basically, this is probably one of the most simple tools. You take an index card or a piece of paper, you draw a big X on it, you put it within reach of all the players at the table and, and the GM as well. 
And whenever something comes up that is uncomfortable or less than ideal, you can tap the X and no questions asked, the content that was just happening on screen or potentially further back can be retconned out of it. You can have a discussion about what happened and what content we need to avoid. Or you could just say, what's just been happening is not okay. Let's please change it or move past it if we could. That's the real basics of the X card. Yeah. Now, in my research on this, it's also, you know, I'd heard the X card. And then when I started looking into it, I also, along with that are two other cards, an Mm -hmm. N card and an O card, which I actually found... I don't know how to say, like, I don't want to say more useful because I don't think that's the right word, but using all three of them together can actually create really good signposts, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm assuming that the N and the O card are kind of similar as maybe like a red, yellow, green light system. Yeah, that that was the way I read it. You know, the the N card is kind of like a, hey, we're, we're getting close. You know, like I'm okay, but I don't want to go farther. And the O card, as I read it, was actually to say, hey, I may look like I'm struggling, mm-hmm. but I want to keep going. Yeah, the the enthusiastic consent sort yes. of deal, right? Which is, uh, in, in all gaming, enthusiastic consent is something that you should be striving for as players and GM, where everybody that at the table should be not only consenting, saying, yeah, I want to do this sort of content, but enthusiastically saying, yes, let's let's do this. I'm ready. I, I really want to tackle this really challenging, difficult sort of content uh, with, with you people uh, at the table with me. And it may go somewhere dark. We've got safety tools in case it goes too dark. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to feel these emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have a card like the O card or the, uh, the green light, uh, the red light, green light, yellow light system is pretty much that same sort of deal where green means, yeah, let's keep going. This is great. Yellow means, uh, we're kind of approaching some territory that's making me a little uncomfortable, but I'm fine with continuing, but let's just be cautious. And then the red card set or the red light says, let's stop, let's reevaluate, let's step back a bit and see if we can retcon something or uh, have a conversation of, can can we even continue this scene as it is, right? Mm-hmm. Because I guess one thing to, to keep in mind is we're, we're playing games, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to tell a story through our characters. But if somebody gets reminded of some really bad trauma, they may or may not have known about beforehand, and it really messes them up, you don't have to keep playing that day, right? You don't even have to keep playing the the story. You can you can stop the the whole campaign if it's that bad, right? If if certain things have led to maybe, uh, for instance, like a dramatic player betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people love that, right? But there are some people that player versus player is very triggering and and very hard to deal with. So you don't want to have a whole character arc where somebody is secretly going to betray somebody, you know, 20, I wanted to say episodes, but 20 sessions in. And on that 20th session, they betray you. And that just breaks all the trust. And now you, how can you continue on past that? Right? Yeah. 
Well, enthusiastic consent, right? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, like you just mentioned, I think that's the other thing that, you know, somebody we both know, uh, Justin from the Terrible Warriors podcast. And I remember, mm. and I don't know if it was an episode he did with you or just one time he was talking about using safety tools at the table. And, you know, I think some people think that, oh, it's, it's going to mean that maybe I can't tell the story I want to. And he actually said that in his experience using, and he, he was specifically referencing the X card, mm-hmm. but that using safety tools, he finds actually freeing as a GM yeah, because he knows that the players at the table have the ability to stop him if mm-hmm. he's going somewhere that he shouldn't. And so that is something he no longer has to consciously think of. It's liberating when you, when you fully embrace it, right? Both as the GM and as players, depending on how much agency you've agreed upon during your session zero or you know, session 30.5, whatever you want to call it. If, if your, your players have a lot of agency um, or if the, the GM has a lot of agency, having those safety tools in play says every single person that's sitting at this table is a person with valid feelings and every single person deserves to have a safe and enjoyable experience at this table and pushing your limits, knowing that if you push a little too hard, everybody at the table has already agreed. Yeah, we can step it back if we need to. We can take a break. We can come back and retcon whatever bad thing had happened. That lets you push stories probably even darker than you would anticipate because really you're, you're kind of weaving into what they want, right? And not mm-hmm. what they don't want because with something like lines and veils in place, you've got a whole laundry list of things to avoid right off the bat. Right. So uh, I've mentioned it before, lines and veils. A line is basically, these are topics that we just do not bring up at the table either in game, out of game, in conversation. It doesn't matter if you're in character or not. You just don't bring up these topics, right? And that's something that everybody at the table contributes to. And you can do it in various ways. You can you can say, yeah, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Uh, I don't want any of this in my game. Or uh, what I've seen most commonly is all of the players submit their lines to the GM, the GM compiles it, and then anonymously says, these are the topics we're avoiding. Mm-hmm. So that way, if somebody has a very specific trauma in their past, nobody has to know who that trauma applies to, right? Right. So as long as it's on the list of lines, then everybody should know we don't need to go there. And if you are playing online or using online resources, having like a Google Doc with a lines and veils in it, you can keep that updated, right? And you can just go in there anytime between sessions and say, oh, I just figured out another line. Let me just add it. And then everybody would agree. Let's just check out the lines and veils before we go to our next session, just in case something's changed. And just because you put it as a line doesn't mean it has to stay a line, right? Mm-hmm. You could find out later on that maybe I do want to play with this thing I thought was a hard limit for me. That's a thing that you can, you know, have a conversation about with your group, right? Right. So as I'm understanding this, the lines are, so to speak, the hard don't go there does not exist in the game world. Yeah. What then 
is the the veils of lines and veils. Yeah, so the veil is the thing that you don't mind having in the story, but you just don't want to see it on screen, right? Like a really big veil for a lot of people is effectively sexual content, right? They don't mind if their characters are doing that. They don't mind if other characters in the story are doing that. They just don't want to see it on screen, you know? It's the, and then we kiss and it fades to black. And everybody knows kind of what happens because the next scene picks up, it's the next day, and people are having breakfast together. So we know what happened, but we don't have to talk about it, right? It's part of the story. It's just not depicted on screen, so to speak. So to speak, implied narrative, but not. Exactly. Other, like, common veils are, like, extreme violence in games that have, like, that sort of component. Mm Mm-hmm. People can say, yeah, extreme violence does happen because maybe we're playing this super gritty, hyper-realistic superhero game or something, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't want to describe it, you know? So we just say, and then this thing happens, and we go to the next person, right? Right. So it, it veils it. It puts it behind a little curtain that says, you know, it's part of the story. We can imagine that it happened. We don't need to talk about it. That actually seems like, like to me, it would seem that actually that I don't see a reason not to establish some form of lines and veils at the onset of a game in your session zero or whatever. Oh yeah. Just because, I mean, why not? You know, there are obviously things mm-hmm. that, that bother different people. Yeah. And like, I, like I said, I can't think of a reason not to, let's put it that way. Right. Exactly. Like for me, one of my most common lines that I use is child endangerment. Now, if you would have asked me maybe 10 years ago, that might not have been on the list, but I'm a father of two kids now. Mm -hmm. And that, that affects me, that, that sort of story affects me a lot more now than it would have a decade ago. Right. Right. Because now I, now I have kids and I can empathize with kids being in danger, like, you know, extreme danger. And, and it's not, like playing kids on bikes where you're all playing kids right and you're all going to be in danger that's that's a different thing that you're signing up for compared to like you know kids are being targeted because of whatever reason you know outside of the story if i'm signing up for a kids on bikes game i know that our characters are going to be in peril but right it doesn't have to go to certain extremes. Well, we'll just say like you're, you know, you're not coming to play a, a, you know, some sort of modern horror game where you're playing something along the lines of, of like a criminal minds where the victims are children or, or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So it, lines and veils as a living document is, is fantastic to have uh, at the beginning of your, your game campaign or even one shots and update it normally too right if you're a group that plays all sorts of different games first of all kudos second of all having that like depending on the game that you're going into you might want to change your lines and veils right that's true i i have modified the lines and fails for my horror campaign specifically i know we're getting into spooky month which i love And one of the best things I've found for running horror games is to have my players have a fears uh, list where they list 
the things that they are comfortable enough having portrayed within the game that I can, as a GM, hone into and and kind of dig the claws in, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, to basically give that fear response from the players. That's what their characters would be feeling, mm-hmm. right? So having that list of like, yeah, if we're doing horror, I'm fine with like things with many eyes, right? Because that creeps me out, but it's not to the point of not wanting to play. Right. right? I think there's actually a mechanic like that written into the latest edition of Cult. Oh, uh, I think it's called nice. Cult Divinity Lost or something like that. I, I know there's, a, I don't own the game, but I've, I've heard a decent amount on it. And I believe yeah. there, that's like one of the steps in character creation, so to speak, is is to compile a list like that for the GM from the players. Oh, that's very cool to hear. Yeah, it's it's a f- wonderful mechanic. I, I recommend compiling that list and then having all your players uh, and yourself as the GM go through that list and X out the ones that you absolutely don't want, right? Because one player's, I guess, yum is another player's yuck, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because... There's a lot of different ways you can approach horror, right? Very much. And goodness, it hits people in different ways. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing, right? And I think that's kind of the whole point of, of all the safety systems is that you don't know what's going to hit other people at the table. Yeah, exactly. And you, you might not even know what's going to hit you at the table. So that's why you have not only lines and veils and possibly fears uh, to, to kind of lean into and insta lean away from, but you also have the X card. Uh, you've got the, uh, the traffic light uh, system, the green, yellow, red lights. One of the uh, ways that people use that system is to have objects or dice of those colors and they can hold up the, the dice. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or the objects or a sign or something to kind of signify that, yeah, we're going with this. There's also the the support flower, which is kind of similar, which has varying degrees of consent of like, I'm very happy about this. I'm approaching like maybe we got to slow down territory and we got to stop sort of territory. Mm-hmm. You'll notice there's a lot of like this sort of theme throughout a lot of these safety tools of like stop slow down and go forward mm-hmm. um, another really popular one is script change which basically is pause to pause the action and to talk about what's going on possibly even x something at that point if you are going to do a rewind that's kind of retconning something that just happened fast forward is putting a veil on what's currently happening in the scene so even if there's not a veil in play, you can say, hey, can we fast forward past this part? I'm fine with it being in the story. I just don't want to go through the narration of it, right? Yeah. So th- those are kind of like the really big ones, really big safety tools, and they all have that sort of thing in common. Right. Well, I think, it, you know, it makes it makes a lot of sense because that's that describes, so to speak, the range of emotion, at least that, you know, I know that I go through, you know, yeah. is that, okay, this is fine. Uh, no, well, I'm not sure about this. And, oh, wait, hold on. Exactly. And like you mentioned, you know, these are, you know, very fluid things too, or can be, you know, mm-hmm. they can change, be it because of experiences, 
something that you had forgot, thought you had had worked through, whatever. Yeah, it's it's an interesting experience. I mean, role playing, anything can happen. That that's one of the reasons why so many people love it, right? Yes, because you can create any story you can imagine, and and humans can sure imagine a lot. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and really, sometimes you're just on a roll. And you're like in the moment, you're in the, the narrative, you're in character and you're thinking, oh, this character would do this in this moment. So I just blurted out and, oh, that was the wrong thing mm-hmm. because maybe everybody at the table is like, what, what did you just do? Uh, let's X that, uh, let's pause, let's rewind, let's talk about this. Um, can we continue? Right. Right. Without safety tools, uh, there's been quite a few examples even on live streams where safety tools weren't in play and everything just fell apart after bad things have happened. Yeah. And it strikes me too. And, and, you know, Steve and I have, have said this on a number of topics, but what this all really comes down to is communication. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and, and I mean, it's, it, it should be expected in a hobby that is, Hey, let's all sit around and talk to each other. Uh huh. But it, it's amazing. I think sometimes how easily we forget that sometimes we need to do more than just the specific thing we were going to do that we, we do need to just be aware of all of it and not just the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people out there that want to say something at moments, right? that do get triggered by something in the game. And if there's no tools in place, they generally will not feel comfortable coming forward and, and saying, Hey, this is not okay. Yeah. But having a table that says, if anything goes wrong, we're all adults here or young adults or whatever age group we're talking about here. And we can talk about it. You know, there's no judgment. Your safety is more important than the story we're telling is what it says. Yeah. Right. And, and really that, that should be what we all strive for. That if one person at our table is not having fun at all, whether, whether it's a safety issue or, or maybe it's just, this is not the type of gameplay that I want. Right. There should be tools in place that allow for an open communication, no judgment of forum that the players and the GM can talk with one another and not, not have to fear retribution. Yeah. Yeah. That everyone can be, you know, what do you want to say? Mature enough to just go and and consider it enough to go, okay, yeah, let's, let's make sure that we're all enjoying this. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, you know, role-playing is at its heart, a, a social community activity, even if that community is just, two or three people. Yep. Absolutely. Um, now there is the potential of everybody except one person being okay with the content. And for whatever reason that one person is either singled out or, uh, attacked or not listened to whatever, that's where the open door policy comes into play. If all else fails, you can take your stuff and go home. Or if you're hosting, get everybody out of your house. Yeah. Because we're here to have fun. And if you are purposely endangering somebody else and everybody else at the table is in on that, then that's not the group for you. Yeah. So 
you can leave at any time and you can have them leave at any time. And really, if you are friends with these people, then you have to have probably bigger conversations, I'm guessing, if they're going to be doing that sort of stuff to you. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. But goodness, safety tools is a good sign. And if everybody's in agreement of using safety tools, it's a good sign that you're at a table that's not going to be doing stuff like that. That's a good point as well. And really, safety tools, no matter which one you use, one of the best things you can do is doing check-ins, especially if the content's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. You can do check-ins. I know uh, Senda and Phil from uh, Pandas Talking Games, they have this OK check-in system that they use for, um, I think, for one of the games that they're developing. And it's kind of like a, you can ask with just signs, with, with hand language, basically, that says, hey, I'm checking on you. Are you okay? And the other person, without having to miss any sort of narration, can just give a sign back saying, yes, I'm okay, or no, I'm not. Or let's keep going, but cautiously, right? Mm -hmm. So you can non-verbally have these things going on while a scene is still happening. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is, no, I'm not okay, it should be a hard stop. If the answer is, I'm not sure, maybe it's a stop and just see and check in right Mm -hmm. and again communication it all comes it all comes to communication yeah and and to sort of talk about the the okay checks i did that running a uh, call of cthulhu game i was running and and my players had a look on their face and i was like okay and i just went is everybody all right just took a Mm -hmm. hard stop yeah and my players were like, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're just reacting naturally. I'm like, okay, we'll continue on that. <laughs> yep. But, you know, checking in and communicating with your players on that. And one of the things I like personally doing, and I'll sort of just interject here is, especially with X cards, people don't want to give a, a lot of times that's personal stuff. You don't want to give away yeah. what it was to the whole table. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem. You know, I, I like to tell players that if you want to do an X card, you want to stop something, just message me personally. Cause a lot of games now are played online, you know, just mm-hmm. sign of the times, but I just tell my players, Hey, just shoot me an X through any messenger. You know, as long as I'm like, if we're playing through discord, shoot yeah. me an X on desk on discord. I'll stop mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So now I have a, another question here and, and I've heard an answer to it, but I'm, I'm curious to see what your insight is. Let's say you are playing, you know, with, we'll call it an X card mm-hmm. and it's new to your table. And so given, you know, with some people, there's that, you don't want to be the person that stops everyone else's fun fear for, for yeah. lack of a better way to describe it. So, you know, are there any ways that like, for lack of a better way to say it, to break the ice or to mm-hmm. make sure that people are willing to use the tools because all the tools in the world aren't going to help anything if no one's willing to use them. Absolutely. Um, probably the best way, because usually what happens is the GM introduces the safety tools, right? Generally, the table will will agree which safety tools to use with the, the GM, especially in like a con setting, right? If you're going to con and, and playing with people you don't know, generally the the gm will be the one to put out the safety tools and explain it right the best way to do it is if you are one of the most familiar people with the safety tool do something on purpose to use it on yourself 
So if there's a particular name, like say you had a really bad ex-partner with a specific name, and you just don't want that name in the game, you can say, oh, and the shopkeep's name is this. Oh, wait, I'm going to X that because I don't want that name. Let, let's say it's this other name. And you don't have to explain why, right? You can if you want, but you don't have to. And then that, that kind of sets the, the ground of, it doesn't have to be for like super big things. It can be for little things as well, as long as it helps enhance your enjoyment of the game. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So to speak, to intentionally trigger it on something, obviously insignificant is the wrong word, but not something right. egregious. Let's put it that way. Right. Something, something that, and it might not even that be that big of a deal to you, right? You mm -hmm. might be fine with the name yourself, right? It could just be a, I'm doing this as an example. I don't need to tell everybody at the table that I'm doing this as an example, but you'll be doing it basically at the beginning of the session at some point and using that as the baseline of, Hey, these safety tools are okay. And you can even use them on yourself. Look. Mm -hmm. Now, something I've seen mentioned I guess maybe to continue on a little bit here, something I've seen mentioned both in your document and in some other things is talking about bleed. Oh yeah. And you know, like it, it seems like we're, we're kind of through the, the actual tools themselves and we're, mm -hmm. you know, getting into some more of the surrounding things, I guess. And, and this is something mm -hmm. I keep seeing mentioned. What, you know, what is this referring to? Right. So bleed, it's a brilliant topic, uh, especially when it comes to uh, RPGs in that, it can be both good and bad, and it goes multiple ways. It's basically where your emotions affect the emotions of your character, or vice versa, where the emotions of your character or the content of the game affect your emotions. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a if you're in like a lawn campaign and you have been playing your character alongside these other characters for like thirty sessions and you have this grueling battle and one of the characters perishes and your character would feel sad at that point if not devastated but you yourself as a player will probably also feel that way mm -hmm. that's bleed you're bleeding the character's emotions into your own emotions because you are emotionally attached to it right mm -hmm. and that's probably okay in a lot of cases the part where it gets to be a problem is, and you have to be more mindful of it, is when something happens to your character and that affects you in a very negative way. Um, there's all sorts of things that can happen. Um, I mentioned child endangerment before. Say your character has a child and you didn't think to put child endangerment on the list of lines or veils and something happens to your child. That might be a big negative feedback of bleed into yourself. Yeah. And that might be a safety concern at that point, right? Yeah. But it also goes the other way. If you're having a very bad day because maybe work was horrible, it was the worst shift you've ever had, now you're just going to go and play this game because, you know, I've had fun playing games in the past, but I'm just in a really bad mood. Maybe my mood will increase, but maybe it doesn't. And now your character is acting especially rough with the other characters in the party because your negative emotions are bleeding into your character's actions and emotions. And now the story 
and the fun of the other people at the game are suffering because of that bleed. So that's another thing to be mindful of. Um, and that's another thing to utilize safety tools for. Maybe it's just not the night, right? Mm. Maybe you play a different game. Yeah, maybe you just do a different activity for the night to to kind of cool down, to to not affect the story in a negative way. Well, that, that goes to what you mentioned before with checking in. And even yep. given the era that we now live in, and that, well, at this point, most of us are playing online, et cetera, you know, we've all got, you know, discords and Facebook messenger and Twitter and, yep. you know, all the, the assorted chat utilities. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no reason. I think it's healthy for a group to have one of those set up anyway, just to bounce stuff back and forth, say, Hey, I'm going to be late, you know, yeah. whatever, but it can mm -hmm. also be used for this kind of thing to say, you know, Hey, I've had a bad two weeks at work. Can we do a one shot? that's lighter or, you know, can we play board games this week? Yeah. So, something that doesn't matter. Right. Well, I, I personally did this, Steve, you were there for that when I was like, I can't, I asked, I was like, I was DMing and I just reached out and was like, I can't run. Like I'm not in any shape to do it. Yeah. And I just, it was just a been a bad culmination of like a month. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was just like, everything culminated on one week. And I was like, I'm not in any shape to be running a game. Cause if I run a game right now, I'm going to be mean and vindictive. And <laughs> was that exactly. the week I ran the home alone in D and D one shot? Yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And, and see, that's the thing is you might be too tired, right? Or it, it could just be something like you're just, you're just not feeling creative to come up with stuff as a GM or your heart's not in it. You're, you know, your character's going to be in the spotlight this session. Your heart's just not in it because of whatever reason, play a different game or talk or, or utilize that time to, to do a, a big check-in. I, I always say it's never too late for a session zero, even if you've already had one. Yeah. Go take a break and, and discuss like, Hey, where do we see our story going? You know, are, are we going to get to our end goal anytime soon? Does it matter if we get there or not? Is the journey what we're actually here for? Check in on how the gameplay mechanics even are going. Is there too much combat? Is there not enough combat? Utilizing that time when you're not in the headspace to actually be in character can still be productive and can still apply to the campaign that you're playing if you don't want to play a game at all, right? So it's it's not like it would be a wasted session, even remotely at that point. No, I know Steve's mentioned that a couple of times when we talked about session zero is that sometimes it's a good idea to have one mid campaign, you know, or another one mid campaign just to resolidify things because, you know, it, it's a creative endeavor and you started out pointed in one direction and it's bent and twisted and turned. And now we're going somewhere mm -hmm. completely different. I love like sessions zeros effectively when you're getting close to an end of a campaign too, because you're getting to a point where there's not going to be any more time with these characters. If you're saying at the end of this campaign, we're done with these characters, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect opportunity to say, Hey, what do you want your character to do before we're done? Like what cool thing do we want to set up for your character to have in their story before their story is done? I, I did that for one of my stream campaigns recently for A Tale of Twinkle and Awe. 
and like we had three episodes left. We agreed on 14 episodes after a while. We had three episodes left and and I said, hey, what do you want to see your characters do? What do you want to see? Where do you want to see the kind of the story going? And I took the the feedback that they gave me and kind of weaved it into what I had planned for the ending. And I think it was a lot better of an experience for everybody because I was able to build upon what they gave me. Right. When you were, you were able to take the things that they still felt like needed addressed and address them. And that goes with the enthusiastic consent. Yes. Because they're like, we want this so bad. Please, please let us have this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, please. Because that's going to make for an awesome story. Right. That's the, the memories that get made. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of people out there that like to play without any meta knowledge at any level. And that's fine if you enjoy that sort of mystery suspense of not knowing and finding out, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say try having some meta knowledge and playing your characters having that meta knowledge, but knowing that the characters don't know certain things. Mm-hmm. Because might find that the story will go in some place way better than what you would have done just reacting to story happening, planning it out, planning around certain pitfalls, saying, hey, if we push the story in this direction, some so- sort of themes that we might be getting into, is that okay with everybody? And then maybe we can modify those themes to say, hey, you know what? Let's make it even better with this. Or let's take this out because that will make me feel better as we continue on. Maybe there's a discussion of, should there even be character death? Mm -hmm. Even if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, when half the system is set up for combat, you can still have that discussion of, I don't want my character to die because I'm too attached to them. And that will bleed too much into my feelings and my emotions at that point. And I don't know how I could continue on enjoying role-playing with a new character until, you know, this campaign's done. And that's perfectly okay. You can still be put into peril. You can still have people in jeopardy. And the the intense, like, storytelling can still be there. But, you know, things as extreme as character death doesn't have to be on the table if you don't want it to be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, that's a, a thing that, that I've said with, you know, to circle back to, you know, we were talking about horror a little bit, that to me, one of the key elements of a horror game is, you know, and some people will say it's, it's got to be potentially deadly. And I say, no, I don't think it so much has to be deadly. I think the characters have to feel vulnerable and there's a difference there. Impending death is not the same thing as knowing you're squishy. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it really depends on the game. Like, if you're going to be playing Dread, mm-hmm. you're signing up for when that tower falls, your character's out. Right. It could be construed that my character gets too afraid and runs away and is no longer available to play. Mm-hmm. So even even then, when I can't remember if it is, but I think death is explicitly on the line at that point, in the game rules itself, like the tower falls, your character dies. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. You can still modify it because games don't have to be 100% rules as written. Right. Well, that's, yeah. But that actually, to me, that ties back to where we're talking about lines and veils that in a way your character runs off and it fades to black. Yep. 
So maybe they did get eaten by the monster, but we don't mm-hmm. actually know it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and having those open-ended questions is fascinating once the game is over. Like Especially if it's a one-shot, right? If you're doing a horror one-shot, which I, I assume is going to be extremely popular during October. Mm-hmm. Because you can just, you know, drive your characters like you stole them effectively, right? Mm-hmm. Just pedal to the metal and go as fast as possible and watch everything topple over. But even with any sort of bad choices that you have your characters make in a horror setting, when you know you shouldn't be going and checking out that thing by yourself and leaving the rest of the group in the safety of the candlelight, right? Go to the darkness. It's fine. Um <laughs> You know, it can be a fade to black, and I think it would be really interesting to to leave that questionable. Like, what happened? Did they die? Did they get captured? Did they run away? Not having that answer, in my opinion, freaks me out more than knowing what happened, right? I think that's a very valid point. It's like I was get I'm getting chills just thinking about a scenario of like, okay, uh, we're gonna just fade to black. Because you rolled poorly on this thing and we'll have you play a new character now. And we <laughs> won't we won't discuss what happened because you don't need to know. <laughs> no, and I think that's that's an important storytelling tool in, in itself is recognizing that sometimes not writing the story is the most impactful thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Leaving things unsaid, putting things behind a veil can really up the the emotion of the story that you're telling. Yeah. All right. So anything more that you think we need to cover here, aside from like places people can go to look up more stuff on this for themselves? I know there's a couple of resources out there, you know, your mm-hmm. your session zero doc being a very good one that has some links to some things. Yeah, I mean, really that's that's the thing is there's been some compilations in the past, right? The really big one, uh, they won a gold any, uh, I think, in 2020. That's the Tabletop RPG Safety Toolkit by Kiana Shaw and Lauren Bryant Monk. Mm-hmm. The, they released this this effectively compilation of safety tools in a very readable format, mm-hmm. as well as like multiple different formats, and even have some like recorded episodes in their folder about that sort of stuff, right? That that talks about things fully transcribed. It's very accessible, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's in multiple languages as well, I believe. Um, I'm not sure which other ones they're in, but it's there. Mm-hmm. But that one is kind of one of the big go-tos. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a link to that in our Session Zero document as well. So if you go to uh, sessionzero.charactercreationcast.com, it, it'll take you right there. So there's also uh, Monty Cook Games also released a system agnostic PDF that you can download for free right from their website. Uh, there's also a link in our Session Zero document that has like a consent and gaming checklist. So there's all sorts of different things on there that you can say, watch these sorts of things speak to you of what you want in a game itself, right? Mm-hmm. So not only will it, will it have things on there that you would kind of expect, there's probably stuff on there that you wouldn't really expect, right? And because of that, you could be like, oh, this thing on the list, I, I didn't think about this, but I really don't want this in my games. Um, mm. Or or maybe, huh, I, I didn't know that this was a thing, but I don't know if I want to have it be completely in the narrative, 
maybe it's okay to have in the game, but maybe I'll just put a veil on that. That's fine. And it's it's like a worksheet that you can work through as individual players. And then you just consolidate everything as a group. And then you're able to have this built-in lines and veils in a kind of like, I don't want to say official format, right? Uh, that at least has a baseline for everybody to kind of work off of, which is really cool. Right. And there, it looks like there's actually a form fillable electronic version as well as a, a printable version. So uh, definitely accessible for today's times when a lot of people are playing remote as well. Yeah, I, I took a look at that this afternoon, actually, and was looking at that that checklist. And I think that's, you know, maybe even a, a good thing, you know, so to speak, as a GM, if you're going into a session zero, go through that and go, OK, this is what I'm thinking yeah, and present it to your players in that regard. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it has it broken down by different categories. So there's like horror relationships, social and cultural issues, that sort of stuff, mental and physical health. But there's a lot of blanks on there, too. So if a certain thing goes under one of those categories, it's really easy to kind of go to those categories and say, we're kind of in this sort of thing. And during play, uh, we're kind of getting into the mental and physical health category of topics. So let's just take a look at this list real quick. We can see green, yellow, red right on there, and we would know to avoid certain topics pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And there's also the the whole like uh, additional topics as well. So the things that don't fit into those categories, you can put stuff there. But it's not just a checklist. There's a, there's a whole like 11 pages or so of good stuff about all the stuff we're, we've been kind of talking about here mm-hmm. in word form, you know, that, that newfangled technology of reading things. <laughs> uh, for people that are, are listening to podcasts all the time. It's really great. And the fact that they made it free is even better. It's very professionally done. And that's another really great resource to, to kind of utilize in, in your groups. And I guess it, it goes without saying, but we should probably say it anyway. Use multiple systems. Use multiple safety tools, right? Yeah. I, I always say lines and veils at the minimum. And then throw on there like the traffic light or script change or the X card, or maybe utilize the X card and script change if that's easier. Mm -hmm. If somebody is more familiar with one safety tool than the other, and there's two people like that with different safety tools, maybe just go in with both safety tools and say, okay, this person's probably going to use the red, yellow, green light system. This person's probably going to use the X card. We all know what they mean, but they're just more comfortable with it. Yeah. So as as long as everybody's on the same page, uh, you're good, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's all sorts of cool things out there that you can look into. Highly recommend the Session Zero document that we have. Um, Amelia Antrim, my co-host, and I put this together. There's links to all sorts of other fun things in there that you can look at from not only safety and comfort, but like things to talk about before the game begins, setting expectations for play, like play experience. Mm -hmm. Do we want to do focus more on exploration or combat? or puzzles, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And going through the whole process of playing a game with the intent of having that open communication and the enthusiastic consent throughout. Yeah, yeah, that's that it really is so important because, and especially now with playing online where you may be playing with people you've literally never met before. Yeah. And the different backgrounds people come to gaming through 
and their experiences along the way lead to much different expectations for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, it's free. If if somebody's selling you a safety tool, uh, there's plenty of options that are free out there. Uh, mm-hmm. So you don't have to buy a safety tool. I'm really loving that a lot of games nowadays have safety tools built right into the game rules. So it's not an option at that point if you're playing rules as written because it's literally right in the rules. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed is, at least from some publishers, there are increasingly games have a section on safety tools in the front of the book. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's kind of caught on quite a lot within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. There's always been controversy around it. Uh, there's been a lot of players from, I want to say, the older mentality of of gaming, where the power dynamics were were very different, where the GM's rule was law and everybody had to fall in line, is kind of the summarization of, of what it used to be like in a lot of times, in a lot of different groups back in the 90s and, and 80s and so forth, mm-hmm. from what I understand. I mean, I started gaming in the early 90s, showing my age a little bit. And I had only known that sort of power dynamic without safety tools, without check-ins, just the whole like common sense mentality, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people that argue against safety tools are saying, I don't need safety tools because we're adults and we talk about things. And if something is making us uncomfortable, we're going to talk about it. I'm like, that's literally a safety tool. Yes. Yes, so precisely. You might be using safety tools without even realizing you're using a safety tool. And that's okay because it can be as simple as if something makes us uncomfortable, we're going to talk about it. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've kind of covered most of this unless you have final thoughts or anything. You can dive into all sorts of things in the safety tools area. I think we covered pretty much everything that you, you would need to know going into it, especially if it's your first time utilizing safety tools. We've given you a lot of good resources to go to, and I almost guarantee one of those resources is going to be just what you need to feel safe with everybody else at the table and to feel comfortable to be able to utilize that tool because... Really, at the end of the day, you play to have fun, but you play to be comfortable as well. You don't want to leave a game session completely stressed, and it's not because of the story that you're telling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just want to say a big thank you to you for coming and, and sharing this information with us, because I was aware of a lot of this. And yes, we could have talked about it, but you brought a lot more insight to it than I know Steve and I could have done on our own. So I, like I said, I would just really like to say thank you. Oh, I, I thank you as well, because safety, safety in gaming is kind of a passion of mine ever since I, I discovered it, you know, a few years ago and any chance I can use to talk about it, to hopefully help at least one other person have a safer and more enjoyable experience at the table. I'm definitely going to take it. Very cool. Yeah. And like Steve said, thank you so much for coming on. And at this point, I think, you know, we've sort of wrapped up with the safety toolkit and the safety in gaming. Where can where can you be found? So you can find me most prominently on Twitter. Personal Twitter is at Lord Neptune, all one word. And that's uh, Neptune as in the Sailor Scout, not the planet. Same spelling, though. Just wanted to make it clear where my magical girl alliances uh, kind of lie. 
And you can also find me on Character Creation Cast uh, on Twitter at Creation Cast. I also have a game in the making, uh, Chimera, a role-playing game where you blend multiple genres together, kind of see what happens. And uh, that's at Chimera RPG on Twitter as well. Uh, a lot of my stuff is on Twitter. Uh, you could also go to my personal homepage, lordneptune.com, and that'll take you to a listing of uh, all sorts of fun projects that I have my hands in. All right. Very cool. And I think with that, we're going to go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right. So I briefed you a little bit on, on what Game of the Week is, but basically it's just a, a chance for, you know, shout out a game that you found interesting or played a, some time ago and would like to get to play again or whatever. Just give a little quick pitch for it. And sure. uh, we all pick one. So uh, would you like one or both of us to go first? And then, you know, so you can see a little bit of how we do it or just want to jump in or. How about how about one of you take care of it first, and then uh, I'll jump in if uh, if that works. Okay, I think I'll I'll go ahead and step up on this one. All right. So the game I've picked is actually a game called Project Eight Ball. You find it on on Drive Through as Project Eight Ball. It's a PDF for nine dollars and ninety nine cents by Hex Games. The sort of first pitch is the life you know, your family, friends, job, everything is a lie. A carefully crafted web of memory implants and forged documents. You're not a random civilian. You're an agent of Project 8-Ball, a government agency so secret that at any given time, only 37 people know it exists. And the basic idea of the game is to keep the world normal, even if you go mad trying to do it. Oh, wow. It's sort of a... It seems like a really cool... They describe it as... It's a game of weird conspiracies inspired by the works of David Lynch, Grant Morrison, and Philip K. Dick. And that sold me there because those are like, <laughs> that's everything that I like. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and they, they encourage to take, have players taking turns running the game, working together to weave a web of mystery and wonder. And it, it just sort of seems like a really cool paranoia mixed with like the Matrix almost. Oh, interesting. Like almost in that like... You know how the Matrix, the whole point of the Matrix is to keep people from finding out they're in the Matrix? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's sort of what this feels like. It sort of has that like weird, don't let anything too weird happen. You got to keep everything kind of normal. You can't let oh. the world know it's too weird. <laughs> that sounds so fascinating. Yeah, that does sound neat. Yeah, I, I think it looks like a lot of fun for $9.99 on drive-thru, you know, for the PDF. It's mm -hmm. a pickup for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so who would like to go next? Uh, I've got one. Go ahead then. All right. So I'm going to pitch one of uh, my favorite games that I haven't had a chance to play yet. It is Wear the Mask by Jeff Stormer. Oh. This game blew my mind when we covered it on Character Creation Cast because like, it's a one to three player game. So first of all, the fact that you can play it solo is brilliant. But there's three characters that you create in this game. The hero, the villain, and the city that they share. And basically, gosh, it's a superhero story. It's, it's not only a superhero story, it's a Superman story. It's about the rise of a hero, and the villain gets what they want partway through the game, and the hero falls, but then rises up again 
saves the day in the end. Like that's that's the basic structure, but it's a collaborative world building game on top of all of that, where you use a deck of cards in order to figure out what sort of themes and and what sort of uh, things you're you're working with in each scene. And you you go through this deck of cards knowing that at any point at a certain spot in the deck, you're gonna hit this like game ending card. So like once you get halfway through the deck, that game ending card can be anywhere in there. And as that deck whittles down, you know, the villain is going to succeed soon during the first half of play. And then once that happens, everything hits the fan. And you get this like emotional impact of all of these characters you've been creating. You've been creating NPCs, you've been creating locations, you've been drawing a map of your city get destroyed and then you play it past that of rebuilding things and your hero coming back from the brink eventually overcoming this villain that destroyed everything you love like the the emotional impact of just running through a couple rounds and the implications of this game was staggering to me in such a good way jeff is brilliant and Jeff created this this absolutely phenomenal game. It did win an any award this year as a judge's pick. And goodness gracious, it's uh it's at jeffstormer.itch.io slash mask. And it's $15 and so well worth it. One of the really brilliant things about this game is if you're playing a superhero campaign in a different game like Masks or, you know, heaven forbid, Heroes Unlimited uh, by <laughs> Palladium. Um <laughs> One of my favorite games, by the way, even though it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> I see the Rift's book being held up. Um, it is uh, a way that you can create a backdrop for your characters in your main campaign. Because every round that you go through cranks out new NPCs, cranks out new locations, cranks out new villains and threats you can fight. And then if you stop that crank before you hit that big world-ending disaster... You've got a whole live city that you can play in in your main campaign. And if you need a bit more, you turn that crank a little bit more. And now you've got more to work with. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I remember hearing, I think he did a, a recording with uh, James D'Amato using that on, on one shot that I remember listening to. I thought it was very, very good. Yeah, like, like chillingly good. I haven't had an experience to a game like this since uh, Alex Roberts' Starcrossed. Uh, a few years ago and, and it like hit me on such a viscerally good level that uh, I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. That's one that's been not just on my radar, but like I've been aware of it since I heard that one shot. And then I, I love hearing that it won in any, cause it definitely deserved it. You know, I you can oh, tell yeah. that there's just so much care and it's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's it, I, it, I agree. It is one of those games that, just you don't they just don't come around like <laughs> it's a mm -hmm. one in a lifetime game you know what i mean yeah when when i think jeff stormer i think of two things right off the bat one pro wrestling and two superman um and if anybody was going to create like the the penultimate superman pg it would be jeff and that's effectively what this is right very cool I also may have convinced him to create a hack of this for pro wrestling <laughs> an accident. <laughs> I, I, I'll have to, you 
keep me in the loop when that comes out because yeah because uh i want to get my hands on that because <laughs> i'm yeah we we uh i'm a big wrestling fan and we actually just had a conversation i think the last episode we released was technically about stealing wrestling characters to make rpg characters <laughs> but um no you keep me in the loop on that one because i i uh, as soon as i see that i want to get my hands on it yeah i i want it so bad as well um <laughs> I, I i haven't been in the pro wrestling fandom for decades now but it still has a soft spot in my heart and knowing jeff's passion uh if if uh, jeff if you're listening uh hey give us an update on how that's going uh <laughs> <laughs> because goodness gracious uh the world needs uh uh more fun shenanigans like that yeah absolutely absolutely well what do you got steve <laughs> well i i don't know that i'm gonna be able to follow that quite as well as i have other times but uh i found a game called cold shadows hmm. and what this is Cold Shadows is set in a taut world of espionage, betrayal, and drama inspired by the great spy stories of authors such as John Lacari and Robert Ludlum. Hmm. And it's deliberately set up to emulate quiet, dramatic stories as opposed to action stories. You know, it's, it's not designed to do Mission Impossible. It's, like they said, you know, Lacari and Ludlum. You know, it, it focuses on player-first narrative, um, it, now it does say the rules used are based on ones developed by John Wick in mm. Houses of the Blooded and Blood and Honor, which I'm not familiar with. But this is a standalone game, so you don't need to have you know any of those other titles to play it. It's from Gallant Knight Games. It's 130 pages on Drive Through the PDFs, 14.99. <laughs> You scared me there for a second. You said 130. I thought you were going to say 130 dollars. I was going to Steve. It's almost now, as bad as that time I recommended Invisible Sun. <laughs> but uh, you know there are print-on-demand options too. So you know if you want to do something that's you know much more of a dramatic spy story as opposed to an action spy thing, you know it's it's not for Mission Impossible. But um, you know it it seems like. Yeah, I mean the what they're claiming is inspiration is definitely you know worthy. It says it's also they've leveraged material from Werner Funderwerk's wonderful expansion, A World of Dew, which I have no idea what that is, but they must think it's important if they're noting that they referenced it. Yeah, you know, and I know Wick has a quite a pedigree as a rules designer at the very least. So yeah, that's that's mine. Like I said, it's called Cold Shadows, and there are a number of expansions and stuff out for it i can see at least three coming up on the listing so uh very nice that's your thing you might want to check that out very cool we do want to thank you for coming on the podcast i know we thanked you once already but we're going to thank you again now uh <laughs> i'll thank you for having me as always um links to all of that in the show notes links to all of our social media check us out on the discord come hang out with us and with that is there anything else you needed to add steve i'm good all right well, we do want to remind you to get out there and play some RPGs and be kind to one another. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another.
much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. I heard everything just went off. We got Craig <laughs> and G-Arc, and I heard the ding for the test bot stuff. That's great. <laughs> That's Usually I don't hear perfect. the ding for the test bot stuff till about three quarters of the way through the podcast. And then it's <laughs> like, why did Steve just suddenly lose his train of thought? Oh, that's because something dinged. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a hard word to say. John's trap. Okay. John Stavropoulos. Uh, thankfully, there is editing for podcasts. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I used to work with a guy that looked like a real life version of Peter Griffith? <laughs> no, I don't think uh, you have. Uh, he did. And the best part was, is he wore polo shirts all the time too. Running up and down two flights of stairs is uh, no fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. 